follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to your Take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, Hebrew, he would hear the name Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and that's Isaiah, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And also it says, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took her to him to be his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So, Emmanuel, his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. So why isn't Jesus called Emmanuel? <laughs> why isn't that his name? Did you ever wonder that? Because it's not it's a title of his a description of his characteristic of being with us. It's not his actual name. The way the wording is 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 a little different than that. So there's not it's not a misnomer, it's not something that should have happened that didn't. He shall be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, right? But we don't call him all those names. His name is Yeshua. Jehovah is salvation, or transliterated to Greek, uh, to is is Jesus, and in our English we say that, and it's fine. But he shall be God with us. Are you glad about that? God with us. You see, in the story of Joseph and Mary, also when people say, "Well, that verse in Isaiah means a maiden shall give birth," and it was used to say maiden, not just virgin. Well, everywhere it says virgin, it's specifically, it's the miraculous sign. It's no big deal for a maiden to have a baby. As we know, and we'll see on Thursday night, we bring, we bring uh, I guess we're bringing pampers, you know, because there's lots of maidens having babies. That's not a significant thing. I mean, it's significant, but not supernatural. It's, it's a virgin. And when the angel comes to Mary, she says, how's this going to happen since I've never been with a man? Virgin. Okay, that's it's either is or it isn't. It's either you believe the Bible or you don't. But making up these other kinds of things about it don't make any sense. So in the story, you see God with us. You know, you really see that with Joseph and Mary, don't you? God with us. They could say, boy, this is Emmanuel in the flesh. (laughs) This is the deal. The real thing, God is with us. Now, we often, and rightly so, we often hear about Mary and her virtue. Is that true? Right on. We hear about Mary and her purity, a godly young woman. Could she have been the mother of the Lord had she not been a godly young woman? Would that have happened? No, it wouldn't have. She was picked especially. And we often look at the story through her eyes because of all that she went through because of it. But it's also Joseph in the story, a just man. What was it like through his eyes? Would God be able to use a man? And how would God pick a guy that he would use? Because Joseph is picked. 
just as certainly as Mary is picked, right? You know, God knew these two were together and to be together. And he's a just man. He was right with God in his, in his relationship uh, vertically seeking the Lord. He was right in his relationship with other people. He, he walked in a just way. It's one thing to say, I'm really close to the Lord. I lift my hands to you. I sing songs to you. I praise you. I read my Bible. But the rubber meets the road in how you horizontally work it out. We're, we're, you know, with other people and in your life and your decision making. And what was that like? What was it like in his eyes? Well, that would be determined by the kind of man that he was. What kind of man does God choose to raise his son, if you will? So if Joseph was a hothead, a yeller and a screamer, right off the bat reacting to everything that happens, okay, Stoner, what are you, I can't believe it. I mean, it wouldn't have worked out very well, would it? Um, if he was self-consumed, what are people going to think about me? What's my reputation with everybody? How would that work out? If Joseph was a legalist, listen, I know the law and I know what it says. When a woman who's betrothed to be married, which is a legal binding marriage, doc, you're not consummated, but you're married, basically. That's adultery and she's to be stoned unless she's raped. And it's proven that way, and there was a situation in that. Two, you know, in the Old Testament, a young man and a young woman, or a man and a woman who were unmarried, if they came together and they were found out, the man had to pay money and had to marry her. They weren't stoned. But if she's married, if he's married, they were to be stoned. And that, so, so, you know, he could have just said, no, this is what's going to happen. I follow the law. I know exactly what to do. I don't need to seek God's will. But he was a just man. He was dedicated. But what does that mean? Was he just loose about the law too? What if he was just loose about the law? You know how people are like, I know, I know the Bible says this is how I'm supposed to behave or deal with that situation. But you know, that's the Bible, and this is real life. That's the Bible, and this is real life. Well, the Bible is real life. And like, you know, when you, when you play around like that, say, well, I know the Bible says that, but in my situation, I just feel that I shouldn't obey the Bible about this, even though it's extremely clear to me, because whatever. Joseph wasn't that kind of, he wasn't a legalist. It's just, can't hear anything, just what he knows is right and wrong. But he also wasn't a guy who was just loose with the law. He was a just man. No, he was thoughtful. He listened as Mary spoke to him. And this is really interesting. He did not believe her, did he? He's going to put her away. He's going to send her off to have the baby and do something. And, and working that out with the law is a little tricky. But, but the bottom line, he's trying really hard. And according to the scripture, he was trying to do a good thing. So we just accept that. I haven't got that all figured out. I just know that he was a just man, and he did not want to bring shame to her, but he wasn't going to marry her. So he did not believe her before the angel, but he did not hate her, and he did not turn against her. Rewind. (laughs) Say it again. Joseph is a just man wants to do the right thing, cares about God's will, and when Mary tells him, I'm going to have a baby, it's the Holy Spirit, he does not believe her. 
but he also doesn't hate her. He's not bitter against her. Imagine that. He's not angry with her. I mean, I, I don't know what other emotions could have cropped up as a human. You can attribute all kinds of your emotion to him, but it only tells us what it tells us, and it tells us what it tells us for a reason. He doesn't believe her, but he doesn't hate her, and he doesn't turn against her. He fears to marry her. He fears to do something wrong or dishonoring to God. But the angel didn't say, Joseph, don't be angry. The, Joseph said, the angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid. Uh, you know, he could have let confusion, abandonment, rejection, everything else turn to anger pretty quickly like most of us do. <laughs> you know, it's a, just a natural. How the river flows is when you're confused and struggle and you get rejected or challenged. And, you know, it's how easily it can go to anger. You don't have to be a particularly, you don't have to be a nasty person to have that happen. It's just, as a, it's, it's, the way you, it's the way you get it off your shoulders, you know. And Joseph could have done that. He was definitely challenged, wasn't he? This guy's being challenged. But he has a godly attitude towards Mary before he hears from an angel. He has a godly attitude towards Mary before he hears from an angel. Folks, you don't need an angel to appear to you to know how to be. You don't need God to come down and do something supernatural. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in miracles. But you don't need an oh. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. You know. (laughs) To have a godly attitude. That's something where character is work from within you that comes out of you because of the word of God and the truth of who God is. And Joseph has a godly attitude towards Mary before he hears from the angel. In Proverbs 15, it says, The fear of the Lord is, to, is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. See, we honor Joseph today. Right now, I'm honoring him by talking about him, right? But he had humility before he had honor. And... Also, it says in Proverbs 22, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. I can't think of a richer man on the planet Earth than Joseph. Forget about Donald Trump and King Farouk and um, whoever, uh, what's the guy, Gates and all that. I'm not saying, I'm not putting those people down. I'm just saying, when you talk about rich, somebody who's rich in spirit, rich in life, was anybody richer than Joseph? And Mary? Mary's praise in Luke chapter 2 speaks of the same thing. You've brought down the, the, the haughty and the proud, and you lift up the humble. You know, Joseph, uh, it's a weird situation for him, but he pondered, and I believe that means that he was pondering before God. And he was waiting as he's pondering, and he's waiting for God. And he was chosen for a stewardship. Now, I've shared with you this little black furry thing down here. won't say his name. <laughs> the Vinmeister, okay? 
you know, it's a stewardship. It's guiding eyes for the blind gives us the responsibility of raising him, and we have all these rules to keep and all this stuff to do because he's not ours. It's a stewardship. So you do way more with something. You borrow a tool from a friend. If you want your friends to loan you tools, you take care of them. You know, your own hammer, you might throw on the grass as you're working outside, forget about it, and leave it in the rain and let it get rusty. But you don't want to do that with your neighbors if you expect to ever borrow something from them again. <laughs> you know, I mean, you take, oh, wait a minute, that's, you know, that's Brad's. I got, where did I put that thing? I don't want to leave it out in the rain. My own stuff, you know, I'm not as, sadly, I'm not as good about sometimes. And you might be that way too. Some of you guys, I know you're exceptional with your tools. God bless you. But some of us are just more weak. And, um, but, you know, when it's somebody else's, you take care of it even better because it's, not your, it's a stewardship, it's a responsibility. You know, by the way, um, we think he might end up being a therapy dog, which means, which means, which means, it's my joke, now just stop, okay? <laughs> he might be a therapy, I already told you about this, okay? <laughs> a therapy dog, he might be a therapy dog because, not because he'll help people, but because after they're with him, they will need therapy, <laughs> You didn't know I was going to say that then. Okay, I'm sorry. He's a little wound up. Okay. This is not about the dog. But the issue of stewardship, imagine your stewardship is to raise the only begotten Son of God. No pressure. <laughs> your stewardship is to care for him and to prepare him in the, pos- in the way that you've been given responsibility. You know, every man, it tells us another place in Proverbs, will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It's real easy for us, and I'm an us, to talk about, well, you know, I would do this and I'd do that. If I was in that situation, I would blah, 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 blah. But a faithful man just, and it can go to women too, believe me, it's, it's, it's um, for everybody, faithful person. You know, they see something they're supposed to do, and they do it. They don't have to get kudos and blessings. They don't have to, even if they're not helped by others the way they should be. And we should help each other do the right thing. We should be there for each other. And we should give acknowledgement of people's hard labor. God bless you who labor hard for the Lord. But even if you don't get it from people, if God gave it to you to do, that's enough. If that's not enough, it'll never be enough. All the kudos of people will not meet you in the deepest need you have to be faithful. It has to be that you're doing it because God told you and you're doing it for him. And as a first priority in my life for it to be for God, even above Gail, whom I love and do cherish, that's the best way I can be a good husband. First for God. It's the best way I can be a father or a pastor or a person. (laughs) Is to first see my role with God. Not with you! Not with other people. It starts with the vertical and goes to the horizontal. And he's a faithful man before God. He gets the word as you read on, take the young child and go to Egypt because Herod's going to try to kill him. He gets the word, take the child back because those who seek his life are now dead. He gets the word when he's scared, I don't want to go down by Archelaus, who is Herod's son. He's another maniac, like his dad. Uh, and they were, at, they were after Jesus when he was born, uh, when he was young. The angel comes to him and says, yeah, you're right. Take him to, to, to Nazareth. Go back home, and that's where you'll raise him. He gets the word. Isn't that interesting? Not Mary. Joseph gets the word. Now, I am not putting down Mary. I'm just saying it's quite interesting 
that God speaks to Joseph. What if God just sent angels to Mary, gives Joseph one word, marry her, it's okay, and shut up, and just do what you're told? You know, do you think if Mary's getting all these words, she's got the baby that came from her, and Joseph never hears from God specifically, do you think there might be a little tension in their marriage, a little stress over decisions and direction? You know, God ordained how this worked out. Joseph got the word about what to do. This is not male chauvinism. This is, there was a beautiful marriage here, a beautiful unity here, a beautiful oneness. And Mary, I can't say that she would never in his life question his leadership as a man in that culture or decisions, but if God just sent angels to Mary, it could have been tough on their marriage. Imagine how blessed she was. She carries God's son, and she has a spiritual husband fully involved in the situation with her, fully engaged and showing leadership and sensitivity to God. Pretty good deal. Pretty good deal on both parts. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And, and the story it makes it very clear that while they were betrothed, they had not come together, and they did not come together, even though they, it sounds like they married quickly and because she was pregnant. He took her, made her his wife, but he didn't touch her. He didn't have relationship with her intimately until after Jesus was born. That's clear from the scripture. And they, but, but, but you know what they had? We talk about intimacy, and we talk about closeness, and we talk about um, you know, our, our world of free sex. is anything but free. It is costing horribly in our culture, horribly in our culture has been for decades. It's costing people. And it's actually costing intimacy in relationships. But they had an intimate relationship with each other and with the living God together. You know, as the Bible teaches us, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become one flesh. Rick, I'll let you pause on that for a minute. Are you making this Christmas Sunday message a marriage study? (laughs) Well, first of all, it's talking about a lot more than marriage. It's talking about life and how to live before God. But marriage is here, make no mistake about about it. It's here, and without shame, with absolute resolve... It's right in front of us. Marriage is ordained by God, and it is under attack, as is anything that's ever right before God. Everything that's good and holy and pure gets attacked, gets undermined. You know, and here's my point about this. We'll move on in a minute, but don't be in such a hurry. <laughs> if, if, how, how did a good marriage work in those days? You know, when my daughter hit about 14 or 15, I thought, you know, that arranged marriage deal sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> when she brought home, and he's a nice guy, but she brought home a, her first uh, boyfriend. I said, yeah, he's a nice guy, but uh, I think I'll arrange your marriage for you. <laughs> now, none of us wants that, right? For ourselves, but we all want it for our kids. <laughs> but how did it, in those days, marriages were arranged. So, so was it chemistry? Ooh, they had the chemistry. Now, now, make sure you understand me, especially young people. Uh, uh, you know, uh, am I suggesting just two people who love the Lord just get married? It's okay; it'll all work out. 
Now, when I counsel people, I say, you know, we're a three-part person, uh, body, soul, and spirit. And, and we should be able to connect on all three levels and be in unity on all three levels. And I would teach about that. I would talk about that. I've had people say, well, you know, I'm not really attracted to him or her, but we've been good friends for a long time. We just thought probably we should get married. Well, wait a minute. You're going to be attracted to somebody. However, however, let me say the overall arching thing is two people who love Jesus and let their spirits be joined and truly put that first, they can work out a relationship. But, but, but then again, and this is a perfect place for Rev Tevi to enter in. A bird may love a fish, but where would they build a home? You do need unity. If a guy wants to go be a missionary and the girl wants a picket fence and a big car, you know, and, and you, know, you better work that all that out. But you should really have that clear in your mind. You have opportunity to do that. But all that to say, was it chemistry between these two that made it work out, or is it love for God together? You see, God is love. Love is not this you know, heart-shaped orb, and I know a heart and an orb are two different things, but you get my point. It's out beating, shining, glowing in the, out through the universe, love, bloom, bloom, and it falls on, ah, and then, you know, this thing that's all, its own entity all by itself. This is the best I can do. It's its own entity. It's its own entity. You know what? Lo- God is love. You don't know anything about love without God. He made you because he loves you. He is, he is love. It doesn't happen outside of him, even for those that don't even know him. God is love and has created us to love. So to put him outside of the picture is pure foolishness, though I understand people that don't know him have no concept of this, think I'm crazy. Um, but you know what? The Bible is really clear. God is love, and true love is the fruit of his love to me and through me. You know, sure, I have personal love. It's high on my list, but it's not above God. It can't be, or I'm all messed up. And you know what? Our culture is enamored by tragic love stories, and our culture is often confused, and it's not the first. In 1980, one of the top ten hits, it saddens me to know that such a wholesome-styled person that I thought was a Christian, maybe they are, Uh, took this song and said, yeah, I'll sing this and make a fortune off of it. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Well, yeah, let's all live that way because that's working well. (laughs) That's producing children who are happy and well-content and feel secure. I could go down a list, but let me say this to everyone in this room. Some of you have been there. And just understand this, this isn't to rail on your fault or flaw, because you could, you could just turn around on me about just many things. Grace wins. Grace wins. Grace wins over us all, of all our messes. But, you know, we can't go like this and not talk about it just because we don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt. Folks, you should care that other people learn from your mistakes and use those to help them. Because it's got to be outside of you and me and just what we want and how we want to protect ourselves from looking bad. Believe me, no offense, we all look bad. (laughs) It's grace that makes us look good. It's grace that makes us look good, all of us. So I'm not better than anybody, but what I am telling you is that if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right, doesn't really work. It brings a lot of pain. 
But the real deal is Joseph and Mary. God give us, you young people, God give us Joseph's and Mary's here. Uh, You know, because that's the real deal. Joseph like his namesake. The original Joseph. The guy that went to Egypt, sold as a slave by his brothers, who was raised up in Potiphar's house. He refuses Potiphar's wife. I don't mean to pick on um, any one guy. I mean, I won't do it then. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you know how you, you see sometimes on TV and in the media and places, magazine, you'll see a very wealthy person, not all of them, a, wealth, a very wealthy, powerful man. And he's older, and he's not much to look at, okay? But yet on his arm. Is, is is like candy, the arm candy of the century. You know, he's got this beautiful woman next to him. Have you seen that? It's everywhere. You see it all the time. I can think of different famous guys who, like, they're famous for their brains and their money and their power, but, wow, and they're older, and they got this young, beautiful woman on their arm. Why am I telling you about that? Because Potiphar's wife makes a play for Joseph. And you might say, well, she's probably an old hag or something you know the odds are he's a very power he's a rich powerful man and joseph's a handsome young hunk and this woman may be a very beautiful woman and probably if you go through history that was more typically how it would be because she's got a power man for a husband and she's joseph come sleep with me and you know what he says to her listen carefully look my master does not know anything that's with me in the house. He has committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I. Now, if you're the media anywhere, you take a soundbite. Joseph is a rather arrogant guy. Let's hear what he said. There's no one greater in this house than I. (laughs) That's not what he's saying. Look how great I am. Listen to it again, and we'll finish the sentence. Look, my master does not know what's with me in this house. He's committed all that he has to my hand. There's no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Does that sound like he's arrogant about his position? He goes, don't you understand? There's no one greater in this house to me. I know where I got this this position that I have. God has given me a stewardship. God has given me a responsibility. And it is amazing to me that I have it. And I will not violate it because I would be sinning against God who gave me this capacity. It's about you and God. It's about you and God. It's about you and God. As soon as you move away from that, I'm not saying you don't deal with other people, interact and have to find your way with other people. That's the hard part. If it was just you and God, we could all go to a mountaintop somewhere, take some granola with us and yogurt and goat cheese. And then, no. And anyway, and we would just be alone with God, and, and He'd just touch us, and the angels would sing us songs, and life would be great till we go to heaven. That's not your life. That's not my life. That's not anybody's life. It's not even people who live in monasteries' lives. Read their stories. The inner turmoil. Nobody has that story. 
God reveals to us our need for him. Joseph says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, I don't want to sin against my wife. I sometimes do, but I don't want to because I love her. But I'll tell you, even more is going to keep me is because God gave her to me. She belongs to him. I don't want to sin against you, not because I need you to appreciate me. I love it that I'm appreciated. Everybody wants to be appreciated. But I've got to be willing to go on whether you appreciate me or not. That's not why I'm here to be appreciated. You know, I have to honor you. You know, Albert Einstein, no. The, a teacher in Germany used to stand as all his students came into his classroom every year, and he would greet them with a click of his heels, and he would bow to them. And somebody asked him, why do you bow to them? And he goes, I don't know what great person this, each one of these children might be, that someday I will wish I had, I had honored them. For who they are. And in his class, I believe, was Albert Einstein. So um, here's the, the whole deal is, is how I treat you says way more about me than it says about you. How you treat other people talks about who you are, not who they are. <coughs> yes, yeah, some people are hard to deal with. Painfully so. You're looking at me and saying amen. Why is that? <laughs> Look, at some people are really hard to deal with. Okay, that's true. You do have to find the Lord in it and work through that, and that's challenging. There's no question of that. But show me who you love, the saying goes, and I'll show you who you are. Some of you are so great at this, though, because you love people who don't have any return to you, who don't make an effort even, or don't show a way to return to you. But it really says more about who you are. It's, I'll give you one more. There's so many. The guy who, you know, the, the woman was a very big women's lib woman. And, he, and this guy just held the door for the lady. She goes, you don't have to hold the door for me just because I'm a woman. Snidely at him. He says, well, I didn't. I, I held the door open for you because I'm a gentleman. You know, it's who you are. You know. You can project all day long to everybody else, so that'll get you really far, right? Get you nowhere. Get you nowhere. It's tough because people do do things to hurt us. It's, it's not, it's not one-sided. But the direction here is that Joseph, Joseph has been wounded, my friends. His brothers wanted to kill him. His brothers sold him as a slave. They abandoned him. They wanted him dead. They hated him. That could mark your life pretty good, couldn't it? And, and when he's in this position, and you know, he's going to suffer for this. He's going to suffer for doing the right thing. But he's also a just man. He's going to do the right thing. Give us more Josephs. Give us more Marys. Well, let's take the temperature and see if there's any others out there. And then if there's enough of them around me so I get to feel good, I'll be one. Good luck with that. Who are you waiting for? Are you in a youth group? Are you waiting for somebody a little older than you to show you the way? That would be good. But you've got Jesus. He has shown you the way. He is the way. Are you waiting for the rest of the group to get strong? Are you in a family? And you're waiting for everybody else to get on board, and then you'll take your next step spiritually? Are you in a group of Christians, and you're waiting for Pastor Rick to get it together? 
and then you'll really serve the Lord? You know how we are? You know how we do? We kind of wait for something to happen when God's given us direction. And Joseph says, I cannot do this great wickedness and sin against God. True humility wasn't Joseph saying, Oh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm this, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not this. Just on and on about himself. I've fallen into that trap. I mean, there's plenty wrong with me, so it's easy to do. There's some things probably wrong with you that make it easy to do. It's not true humility. True humility is, you know what? I can't believe I'm, I'm in this position, but God's put me in this position, and I'm going to do it because God's put me in this position to do this. So we're full throttle ahead because this is what God has given me to do. So God gave greatness to Joseph. We are rightly concerned about ISIS and about our economy, but you know what we found from ancient Israel is their enemy was never the issue of their failure. Their failure was their relationship with God. God never said, I can't believe it, you're right, you're right, Gideon, the Midianites, there's 130,000 of them. I don't know how we're going to do this, man. They're going to wipe you out. God never said to Israel, oh, the Amalekites, oh, these guys, oh, those guys. He said, yeah, they're too big for you, but they're, none of them are too big for me. Put them all together. The nations are as a drop in a bucket before God. That's what the Word of God says. Our problem, above all other problems, is not the enemies, though there's prudence and right things to do in that that God gives you. The question is about Seek me, and I'll give you victory. Seek me first. Emmanuel, because God is with us. That's relationship. And from relationship comes strength. Rick, are you trying to say that our relationship, our stewardship, is the same as Joseph and Mary? Well, I'm glad you asked. The back page of your bulletin, the back page. Emmanuel, God with us. We've already covered that, right? He's with us. He's with Joseph and Mary. But he's also, in our sense, in our world, if you're a Christian, it's God in us. Because God is revealing what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, among the nations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Second one, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, in your inner person through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love, it goes on to say, may be able to comprehend with all the saints the height and the depth of his riches. Who believe, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, from his inmost being, innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. What are those rivers of living water? Who knows? Holy Spirit. It goes on, the next verse says, this is he spoke of the Holy Spirit that had not yet come because he was still here. So the Holy Spirit's going to rise up within you and flow out of you. Sounds like God in you, doesn't it, to come out of you? Stop there for a minute. I could have, if I was going to do exhaustive scriptures that talk to the believer in the New Testament, that you, beyond what Joseph's experience was, and we're not Joseph and Mary, I get that. But don't diminish this. What does it mean when you become a Christian? What's the term we use? You are born again. Born of the... Oh, So the Holy Spirit that came on Mary comes to you. Yes or no? Is that significant? (laughs) Would that make a difference in your life? Would that be something to ponder? 
Instead of just saying, well, I'll never be a Joseph or I'll never be a Mary. The Holy Spirit's the same. Same Holy Spirit, that yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will, God with us and God will be in us. And, and that is such a great concept and understanding and truth and reality because this is what God's given us. And then we'll skip over Isaiah. God is not only with us and in us, but God is for us. Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, when I went to uh, Malawi, Africa, with the first team that I took, I or a team that we took there, we took team, and we were going to be with children, lots of children as well as adults, but it was probably several thousand children when you added all up all the... It seemed like there were several thousand wherever you went. You know, there's so many kids, and so many of them are without parents. And even if they're in the home of an uncle, aunt, or grandma, they're pretty much out in the village or on the streets. And even the ones who have their parents there, they're all kind of malnourished. Many of them, they don't... It's not like, oh, the ones who are orphans have malaria, but the ones who are not orphans don't have malaria. You know, there's just sickness, and there's starvation, and, and I thought, so what's the one thing I want to say to these kids that I want them to get while we're there? You know, is it God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? I'm not knocking that. But on the same token, some of those kids could be dead in a year from the next time we come. This is reality. Okay, this is reality. It's like, if you're waiting till you have the perfect answer to fix everything, to try to be helpful to people, good luck. Because you don't, and you're not the perfect answer in in the human. But Jesus is Jesus, and he loves those kids. And he thought, well, you know, this is what I want them to know, that life, death, which is very possible for them, can't separate them. That life, no matter how bad it gets, can't separate that. That demonic angels, demonic beings, principalities, or what's happening right now, or things that are coming down the pike, or any kind of power on earth, nor height, nor depth, nor a- nothing can separate them from God's love. That's either true or it isn't true. And because I believe it's true, I was not ashamed or afraid to share that with them because I didn't go there to fix everything but to give them what the best thing I could possibly give them. And it wasn't money, and it wasn't my personal friendship, and it wasn't food, though we do try to do all the things that we can. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ that's alive and real and the hope of mankind. And you know how great it is that even though we all fall short of his glory, even though you may have, maybe you haven't lived like Joseph and Mary, okay, maybe none of us have. The promise is to you and your children and to as many as are far off. Far off, man. My friends, when the younger son of Luke 15 was in the pig pen trying to eat the pig's corn husks and said, what am I doing here? He came to himself. Listen carefully for a minute. I've read that story 4,000 times. It was just this last week when I, 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 I thought about that story. And I realized, it says, when he came to himself, he didn't come to himself and say, 
I'm going to go back and be dad's kid. He came to himself and he said, I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I'm no longer, no longer worthy to be called your son. No longer worthy to be called your son. Oh, I get it. You mean when you were doing, when you were back home, you thought you were worthy. I'm no longer worthy. I, I, you may have already seen this. Sorry for being repetitive, but I never saw this part of that story. I'm no longer worthy. I used to be worthy. I was a good son. I was deserving. Well, that was his slip-up, wasn't it? Because it wasn't based on his deservedness, ever. It was the father's kindness and grace. And the older son had the same problem. Now, the younger son came full circle, because, but it doesn't come until the father embraces him that he gets it, if he gets it. But the older brother, to the end of the story, we don't know if he ever gets it. It's not based on how good a person you've been. Your goodness, your deservedness, that's what gets people bitter against God. I earned this. I deserve this. Do you really want what you earned? The wages of sin is death. So I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'll just make me like one of your hired servants. He didn't see his position and his relationship with his father in the way that his father intended. And of course, God is the father in the story. We don't see ourselves properly. We either think too much of how well we've done, or we think too less of ourselves because of how we failed. And neither of those is the real issue. The issue is who is God? God is with us. God is in us. It's amazing. I don't deserve it, but here he is inside of me, living in me. And God is for me and for us. So the question isn't, is God for you, but are you for him? Because he clearly, clearly, and this is where faith comes in. You have to choose to believe what you believe. Today, I ask you, I encourage you, I urge you, Say, Lord, help me believe not what I don't believe. Help me believe what I believe. If you're not here, if you're here and you're not a believer, you can begin to believe, but believe what you believe if you're a Christian. And if you're not, this is your day if you want it, because that's how gracious God is. You know? Do you want him to show you who he is by coming down and slamming you? Is that how you want to find out who he is? Does he have to come and just hammer you? with some hard things so you'll fall on your knees? Is that what it's going to take? Or can you hear his voice right now? For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on high, in the high and holy place, and also. I dwell on the high and holy place, and also. I dwell on the high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. There's no place else to go but up when you go down to the truth and humble yourself before God. He will, he will 
lift you up. He will lift you up. He's with the contrite of heart and the broken in spirit. Can anybody ever, do you ever relate to that? Is that ever you? It's been me many, many, many times. Many, if I was left to myself between these two ears, it doesn't take me long to go down really quick into depression. I don't have a major issue. I don't have a major battle like some people, but at the same time, I can't believe how quickly I can get into all... The negative thoughts are much more powerful to me than the positive thoughts apart from Jesus. Are you like that? Do you notice how easily... Like somebody tells you something really good, you're a little cynical. Somebody tells you something bad, you go, yeah, you're just right there. (laughs) You know, it's hard sometimes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He loves you. He's with you. If you're a believer, he's in you. If you're not, he can be. You can choose him today. And for all of us, he's for us. Or Jesus would never have come. Musicians, come on back up and we'll sing one more song, folks.